Muay Thai. Ain't you about to swing on me, bro. Okay. See that? Ooh, gosh, you've been working out, bro? A bit? Okay. Well, you see that? He's not moving. He's not moving. He's withstanding me. See the, the, thank you, Jason. Everyone get a hand up for Jason, my example. I used him because he did a, a Muay Thai. I'm going to just say that all throughout this month, okay? So, the standing he's talking about, Muay Thai is a martial arts. So, the standing that he's talking about is to maintain your position against opposition. So, maintaining your position against opposition. So, you notice the first time he stood, right, he moved. He took a couple steps back. But the second time he stood, right, when he was standing firm, when he was withstanding everything I was, withstanding my push, he didn't move. He maintained where he was at. So this is the standing that we're talking about. Now, when I'm, that's when, I, when I'm mentioning stand, I'm just not mentioning you just lazily chilling there, you know, standing like, like you're just chilling, you know, like you're just seeing what's going on. I'm not talking about that standing. I'm talking about standing firm, withstanding any type of opposition, right? So... Here's the thing. In this passage, we learn that we have to stand against things, okay? We have to stand with the former of God and that we have to be alert and keep praying. So we have to be alert, stand with the former of God, and stand against certain things. Now, here's the thing, right? I mentioned last week that there are actually things trying to take your freedom, right? I gave kind of an analogy, right, of people trying to enslave other people again, right? Imagine you just got, you know, set free from slavery. You started a whole colony, then you got other people trying to enslave you again. You're going to fight with all your might, right? Now, here's the thing. There are things trying to take you back to sin, take you away from Jesus, and we are standing against these things. Uh, if you can go to Ephesians 10 uh, through 12, Ephesians 10 through 12 says, uh, to finally be strong in the Lord. Are you strong? How are you strong? Not just Humberto, right? But how are you strong? What does it say right here? Strong Come on, y'all. I know y'all can read. Finally, be strong in the Lord. See, you guys can read, right? Y'all probably read better than me. So finally, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, not in strength, like physical strength, not in your smarts, your intellect, but be strong in the Lord. And then it says, in his might and in his mighty power. See, the only way to be strong is not, you know, it's not being strong because of the Lord, being strong by the Lord. You're being strong in the Lord. We, there's a thing in this Bible where it talks about us being in Christ, having a relationship with the Lord. See, you can only be strong if you have a relationship with Christ, if you're in the Lord. So let's get that straight off, you know, my chest. If you do not know Jesus there's no way you could do any of this, I'm about to say. You need to know the Lord. You have to be in the Lord, right? And then you can receive his mighty power, his mighty strength, right? God, who is able to, to, uh, to create the universe with just a breath, right? The Bible says that uh, he expands the galaxies, right? He expands the heavens like a canopy on a tent. The God, it says in the Bible that God, he was able to split the sea. This is the power that is going to strengthen you to, do, uh, to live holy. So it says right here, put, uh, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God, right? So you put on the full armor of God so that you, uh, you can stand. Who are you standing, what are you standing against? What are you standing against? All right, one, two, three, everybody say it. One, two, three. 
You ever met anyone scheming? Like, I remember back in the day, I had friends, and they weren't really friends to each other. We all used to hoop. But one day, and they, they had little cliques within our friendships. One day, my friend was scheming. He wanted to get my other friend's drug money. And he was scheming. He was waiting until my friend went into the bathroom, and he waited, right? And he took all his money out of his pockets, and he left, right? But this wasn't the first time he stole from my, one of my other friends. I used to play basketball with a lot of potheads and, and other kind of drugs, but I just played basketball with them. But they, they, they just completely betrayed each other all the time. They were always scheming, always talking about go- gossiping about one another, planning on how to get rid of them, planning on how to, how, what to, how to beat them up at times. It was crazy, right? So the devil actually himself schemes, and he plots, and he waits. He's literally dreaming. He is salivating at your downfall. He's waiting for you to slip up. Oh, he's waiting. He's like, man, listen, I'm just going to send this girl right his way. He got weak knees. Oh, he got weak knees. He ain't going to even be able to, he ain't, ain't going to be able to turn the other way. Bam, I'm going to catch him up in lust. Oh, you know, it's 12 o'clock. It's 1 o'clock. It's 1 a.m. Let me just put this thought his way. Let me just whisper in his ear, man, you know, you know you like that website. Go ahead. Oh, man, you know, she's serving the Lord. She's doing good. Let me just send this guy her way. You know, she's been kind of lonely, you know. She don't feel like there's anyone that thinks she's pretty. Let me just send this guy to tell her she's pretty real quick. The devil schemes. Oh, man, you know, she hates when people tell her what to do. I'll make sure her teacher talks with attitude. Oh, she's going to backslide all the way straight to China. She's going to turn away from the Lord. All right? The devil schemes. He knows, right? He knows. I mean, you used to have a relationship with the devil. You don't think he knows? You used to be buddy-buddy with the devil. You used to be buddy-buddy with sin. The devil's scheming. He's plotting. Genesis 3, 1 through 7, he's been doing this since the beginning. The Bible says that the devil, he's been sinning since the beginning. If you go to Genesis 3, bro. Thank you, TJ. Genesis 3 is literally, it's the account of the fall of man. It says in Genesis 3, 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tr- any tree in the garden? If you don't, if it's not up there, oh, there it is. So it, oh, that's Genesis 1, bro, Genesis 3. The serpent was more crafty. Everybody say crafty. Now think about that. When I, when I hear the word crafty, I'm thinking of like some dude who just does this all the time. And he's just, he's just thinking, he, you know, almost like that weirdo, you know, almost like that weird guy who just looks at people like this, you know, in the cartoons. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Have you ever seen like Flapjack, The Misadventures of Flapjack? You know what I'm talking about. Those kind of faces, kind of weird, right? Just plotting, waiting for you to mess up, right? This is, or like anybody ever seen Recess Randall, Right? So this is literally, this is how the serpent was. He was crafty. He was waiting for someone to make, some, make a mistake. So he was craftier than any of the other wild animals, right? And we talked about Genesis not so long ago. If you have any questions on, on, on Genesis, feel free to ask any of the people that are testifying here or any of the deacons, right? So he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? If we know the story, God said you can eat from anything, just not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat from that. So what does he do? He automatically twists scripture. He lies. He tells a half-truth. And that's how schemes come about. They're a half-truth. 
So he was half telling the truth. And then the woman said to the serpent, she didn't even know what she was talking about because it wasn't even told to her. It was told to Adam, we may eat from the fruit, of the, uh, fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you'll die. Right? He didn't say if you touch it, you'll die. So that's a whole other thing. She didn't even, she wasn't, she, not only was she not aware of the devil's schemes, but she wasn't even aware of what God had said. Then... She says, you will not, you will, uh, he then, the serpent says, you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So really quick, the devil is straight. This is how the devil tricked the first two humans into a world of sin. He took what God said, changed it a bit, tricked them. It was all his scheme to disobey God in a way that they thought they would benefit from it. And isn't that how he does it to us sometimes? That's what he does to us. Think about it. How does he get us to sin? Does he say like, hey, bro, just disobey God right now? No, that's not what he does. He's like, hey, man, dude, you ha- you've been doing pretty good so far, bro. I mean, get, you're, you're, you're going to elevate every Friday. Man, do you preach the gospel here and there? Do you invite like three of your friends? Man, you know what, dude? Smoke some weed, bro. You deserve it. You're doing good, man. That's just one sin. You can repent later. Literally, I, I know friends, right, that have done that, where they've been good, they've been serving God, and then they feel tired. They're like, oh, man, I've been serving God. So weed pops in, right? They're like, hmm, I know this will make me feel good. I know God saved me from this, but I can just repent later. All of a sudden, they don't repent later. The devil says, why don't you do it again? Didn't this, didn't this make you feel better than you did before? All of a sudden, it's a cycle. Then it's like, man, you're smoking weed. Why not just have sex outside of marriage while you're at it? You know, God just doesn't want you to have fun in this world. He wants to put rules on you, regulations, and it's all the scheme, right? He takes what God had said about repentance, twist it all up, have you sinning consistently. Oh, you got a girlfriend, man? You guys have been living holy. You know you're going to, you know she's your wife. You know you're going to marry her. Why don't y'all just do a little more than a kiss on the cheek, a little side hug? Why don't y'all, you know, go the next level? Why don't y'all go from first base to second? That's just stay a second. Then all of a sudden, you're at second base, you're all making out on the couch. He's like, man, you're already, you're already halfway there. You know, God will forgive you. He still loves you. You know, God, you know, the Bible says, you know, you can sin and God will still forgive you. Keep going. I have a friend that literally went through that with another girl. And he's the, uh, he's, he was a close friend of mine. We, we went to the church together. We were growing it the same way. And the devil was telling him that lie. Next thing you know, we're at third base. Next thing you know, we're at home plate. We've already had sex. Shame comes in. Now you feel like you can't even go to church. This is what happens when you listen to the devil's schemes. So we are standing firm against the devil's schemes. But then here, this is what the Bible wants to make clear to you. This is what the Spirit was speaking to Paul. Our struggle is against flesh and blood. Amen? No, it isn't. I'm joking. I got you guys. (laughs) It's not against flesh and blood. It's not. If we go to Ephesians Ephesians uh, Ephesians 6, Verses uh, 10 through 12 again. My fight isn't with, you know, the guy who doesn't believe in God. 
My fight's not with them. It's not like I'm like, oh, you don't believe in God, bro? That's it. Run up, bro. Square up. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. I'm not, that's not the fight. That's not the fight. The fight's not, man, oh, you just cussed me out and you say I'm a Christian hypocrite? F you, bro. You're going to hell. That's not, that's not our fight. That's not our fight. The Bible says our fight, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So what does that mean? What does that mean if it's not against flesh and blood? That means it's not anything you see. It's not about the person next to you. It's not about the person at school that's making you mad. It's not about the teacher that's unfair to you. It's not about any of that. This is what it's about. It's about the rulers, the authorities, the powers, right, of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not about the people. It's about what's influencing the people. You have to understand. You have to see past that. There is literally, there's, there's, there's things called demonic power, right? Where literally the devil, right? It's not like you guys have to get that cartoon image of the devil out of your mind with red horns and the demons and all that. That's not how demons look. Matter of fact, no one knows how demons look. Demons, they don't come out of nowhere and just start jumping out everywhere with, with a pitchfork. No, they whisper in your ear. They're very quiet. They're very subtle. And they tell you, they try to influence you. They try to show you greed. They try to show you money. They try to show you all these things that your flesh desires that you want to live for. And then it says in the, in the Bible that basically there are inf, they're, they're influencing people that are above. That means, that means like the government they're influencing, your teachers they're influencing, your parents, your girlfriend, your friends. They may be influenced by the enemy, but they are not the enemy. They are not the enemy. Our fight is against Satan. Our fight is against sin. Our fight is against the heavenly place, the sinful places in the heavenly realms. That means things that we cannot see. Things that we cannot see. So when you think that this person is the reason why you're backsliding, right? Or you, or you think that this person is the reason why you can't live as a Christian like your mom or your parents or your friends or your bullies or, or people that are with you trying to make you sin, you know, bad company. It's not that. It's the things that are influencing them. So you have to understand to distinguish that fact that there are things in this world that there are constantly trying to take you away from the Lord. They, every single moment of your life, they are trying to take you, to capture you, to take your affections, to take your worship off of God and onto things, off of God and onto people, off of God and onto them. Because here's the thing, if you don't worship God, you worship them. You worship the enemy. If you don't worship God, you worship the enemy. You worship, right, the rulers and authorities and powers and the spiritual forces of evil. You worship that if you don't worship God. You may think, man, dude, I'm, dude I, I mean, I just backslid with my girl, man. That ain't nothing bad. No, you're worshiping your girlfriend. You're worshiping what's influencing her. And you have to understand, God, you can't say to God, the devil made me do it. You can't. So if you think that, listen, the devil is making people do things or the devil's making you do things, you can't. What you can say to other people is the, the devil told me to do it, so I did it. That's what you can do. And that is the spiritual forces that we're fighting against, that we're standing against. It is the lies, the schemes of the enemy, the, the, uh, the uh, thoughts and intentions, the demonic thoughts and intentions, the demonic happenings, right? It just so happened that your ex hits you up at 2 a.m. on Snapchat saying, W-Y-D, what you doing, right? It just so happened that's your ex that you, you try to leave behind. 
No, dude, that's literally the devil. You need to run. You need to flee. You need to block her. You need to get away from that. So this is my question to you. Are you standing or are you falling or are you with? Are you standing against the enemy? Are you standing against the demonic forces of evil or are you falling because of them? Or are you with them? Is the devil using you right now? Are you being influenced? Are you being taken advantage of by Satan, by his lies, by his schemes? Are you the reason why some of these people here today will fall into sin? Are you being used by the enemy right now? you got to ask yourself that. Is God, is, is God the one who, who's with you or are you with the enemy? Pick your side. Jesus said it himself. You can't be for me. You either can be for me or against me. You're either standing against the enemy or you're stupidly standing against God with the enemy. So here's the thing, right? If you are standing and you understand the devil's schemes, you, and it says right here, if we go to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, this is then how you stand. It says right here, therefore, put on the full armor. Everybody say armor of God. Put it, all of it on, all of it on. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Everybody say stand. Your ground. And after you have done everything to stand firm then. Stand firm then. So listen, before I even transition to the next verses, I want to help you guys understand that there's some effort involved. You have to do everything you can to stand. It's not, it's not hey man, I, like, like imagine, right? Uh, again, it's talking about armor. That means it's talking about a battlefield. Anybody ever heard of Dead Man's Land? What Dead Man's Land is a space in World War I where literally there was a trench right here where everybody would hide and shoot from, and there was a trench on this side where everyone would hide and shoot from. And everyone did everything they can, everything they could to make sure they didn't end up here alone, stranded. But some of us, right, we are just walking right in Dead, Man, dead Man's Land. You got bullets flying right by you. You're getting shot in the head. You're dead. That's not doing everything you can. Some of us, we're just on, we're on, faith, we're on, we're on the internet at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., knowing we struggle with lust, and we're thinking, oh, man, I'm just falling into pornography. No, you are walking right into it. You are literally strolling through a park of pornography, and you're falling right into it. Oh, man, dude, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read the Bible. I'm trying to pray. Bro, you, you literally haven't opened your Bible in days. It has dust on it. You got more hours in Fortnite than you do in God's Word. So here's the thing. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. This is not for you then. You need to repent. You need to go back to what I said before. You need to get into the Lord. You need to get in the Lord. You need to have a relationship with him. You need to do everything you can. Pray. Read the Bible. Fellowship with other Christians. Not people who just go to church. Christians. So do everything you can. Make effort. Stand. Then after you stand, stand again. Stand firm then, right? Putting on the full armor of God. If we can go to the, uh, the slide, please. So I made this slide. It's, I, don't, I don't know. Can you see that? I know it looks like it came straight out of your, uh, your fifth grade uh, history book or whatever. But here's the thing, right? This is a soldier that would look like in first century. Okay, they got the shield. They got the sword. That probably messed me up. No, they would mess me up. They'd mess everyone up here. Uh, and then you have arrows, right? We're going to find out what that means in a bit. If we go back to the passage... 
Just keep that in your mind, right? Keep that image in your mind. Go back to uh, Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in, its, uh, in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? So let's go back to the, to the, the slide right there. If you can go. So it says right here, there's a helmet, right? But first, we're going to start off with the belt of truth. A lot of people don't preach this right. But again, let's take, let's take it back to the football analogy. Okay? Imagine you're about to play football, and all they give you is some shin guards. And they say, go ahead, play the game. They give you some shin guards. I don't know, have you ever played football before? Has, has anyone ever played football before, right? You got dudes who are like, like Seth, Seth, stand next to me, please. Please, just stand, stand next to me real quick. You see this? Imagine, coach was talking to me, right? They're like, hey, listen, I want you to be, uh, I want you to be the, the, the defensive back, right? Or something like that. And then he's like, and then, the defensive guard, right? And he's like, here's a shin guard. Go ahead, boy. Get it. And then this is who, I'm, this is who I got to get past. Or what if they put me on the offensive line, right? And they give, me, they give me gloves. And this man got a helmet. This man got some shoulder pads. This man got, uh, he got everything. He got, he got what, what else do you guys wear? Shin guards, what I got. He got cleats. And all I'm giving is some gloves. This dude's going to run right through me. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Seth. So you, it would be stupid to go in unprepared. It would be stupid to go unprepared. And listen, guys, this is what I have to help you understand. This right here is going to help you realize when you try to face the enemy without God, you lose. Because the devil is stronger than you. But he's not stronger than God. And he's not stronger than God in you. Understand, though, you try to face the enemy alone, you will fall every time. You will fall every time. He will make you look stupid. He will make you look foolish. It'd be like me going up in the, in the line, right, the, 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 off, the defensive line, and trying to block this man from getting to the QB. This man's going to run me over every time, right? He's going to run me over every time. Now, this is, what, this is what Paul is encouraging us to do, right? He's telling them, not encouraging, he's commanding us to do. He's telling us with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, right? In another translation, it says fastened, right? Fastened. It means the truth, right? The truth we learned last week, the truth sets us what? What does the truth set us free, right? When you have the belt of truth, you're able to move freely in integrity. You're able to Walk with the truth. You're able to move with the truth. And what the belt did was it held everything, everything together. I got, Tim, I got Tim's on right now, and they're pretty clunky. When I don't tie them up, they kind of almost move around a little bit. If you don't tie up your, your equipment in football, they move around. They're clunky. They hinder your performance. When you don't have the belt of truth on, all the armor's not in place because you don't think it's true. When you put on the, the belt of truth, right, you know things are in truth. Everything can go into its place. It's strapped up tight. You're able to move freely without any hindrances, right? Then we go to the breastplate of righteousness. This right here is giving you the ability, right, to live righteously, do the right thing, and it guards your heart. Imagine if you went to, to battle without a belt and the armors were just falling up, the armor was kind of falling apart out of place. First of all, you're going to give away your position. Then secondly, you're going to not be able to move freely. Then imagine if you didn't have a breastplate, right? 
The minute someone shoots an arrow, bam, your chest is exposed, you're dead, your heart is done. So what this does is it gives you a heart of righteousness. You're living right. You're doing the right thing. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Then we got the shoes of the gospel. I ain't talking about Jordans, but some of y'all are more interested in Jordans than what's on your feet with the gospel. The Bible says beautiful are those who are, gosh, I can't believe I forgot the verse. Go ahead, Lily. Help me out. Mm, beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Come on. Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So here's the thing. This, the shoes, right, the readiness that comes with the, the, the fitting of the readiness that comes with the gospel peace. Here's the thing, right? Imagine you're in a war, right, and you have peace. That's what it's telling you, that in this warfare where enemy, the enemy is surrounding you, coming at you, you got temptation, you got, you got doubt, you got impurity, disappointment, selfishness, pride of life, lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, schemes, lies, everything trying to come at you, you have peace. You have peace. But not only that, everywhere you go, you are ready to proclaim the good news. Everywhere you go. Then you have, <clears throat> then you have the shield of faith, Right? And this is, this is literally, think about what a shield does. Anybody ever played, uh, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever played the Skyrim. Anyone play Skyrim? I, I kind of hated that game. But, right, there's a shield. Anybody ever seen uh, 300, the movie 300? No, man, you guys are all young, gosh. Here, you've seen it? You've seen it? That shouldn't do that. But here's the thing, right? A shield. Look how big that shield is. It is guarding almost his whole body. Why is it relating it to faith? Because the, the faith, we have to solely depend on the faith. With the faith, not only are you able, the Bible says you're able to extinguish the arrows, but you're able to reflect it. So without faith, you burn up and you are pierced. Without faith, all of these things, doubt, impurity, disappointment, selfishness, all of that, it burns you up. You get burnt out. You, don't, you can't live for Christ. You're burnt up, and then you're pierced. But with the shield of faith, it protects you because you are solely trusting in God. So then after that, you have the helmet of salvation. See, imagine being in a war zone, right? And literally, you have no helmet. You have no helmet. Dude, I mean, y'all play Fortnite, right? Headshots are real easy. Headshots, you, you aim for the head. I remember playing Call of Duty, and that was literally the most annoying thing. When I would shoot them in the head, they wouldn't die. And, but here's the thing. What a helmet does, it protects your brain. It protects the place. If you got shot in, you would die instantly. So what the helmet of salvation is, is confidence that God will rescue you. Imagine you're going into battle confidently. You see, some of us, we go into, we, we're afraid that we're going to backslide. We're afraid we're going to sin because we don't have this on. We don't have the knowledge of God's salvation, knowing that God will rescue us, that when it comes to temptation, God will rescue us from it. We don't have that knowledge of it. We're lacking our helmet, but when we put it on, we're able to go anywhere knowing that God's rescue is on the way. We're able to what? Preach and talk to females, right, as a man without saying, man, if I'm going to sin, you know, if I, if I hang out with her too much. Or we're able to what? Go to places that has we, that has people that don't live for God, and we're not going to backslide because we know if we're tempted, God's helmet of salvation is on us. We know he'll rescue us, right? Then last but not least, we have the sword of the spirit. 
Now, the sword of the Spirit isn't like the Spirit just forms a sword in your hand, but the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, the Bible. And the Holy Spirit enables you, teaches you, helps you use the Bible. If you could go to uh, Matthew 4, verses 4 through 11. You see, a lot of you guys, you guys are snoozing on this. I'm looking at almost all your lives right now. And I can tell you, you don't have this. You don't have the armor of God. You have not put it on. You're not put it on yet, but Jesus gives us an example of how to use the sword of the Spirit. You see, he was led in the wilderness, and he was going to be tempted there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was fasting. He was tempted. And the tempter, who's the tempter? The same one in Genesis. The same. It's Satan. He comes to him, and he says, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, right, just like he tempted Eve with, an, with some food. He's tempting Jesus with some food. And then he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What verse is that? Oh, that's Deuteronomy 8.3. He uses the word of God to attack the lies of the enemy, the schemes of the devil. That's what we do. We defend and we destroy. We don't say, hey, it's not like when the devil comes, he's like, man, no one likes you. No one cares about you. You're unloved. And we're just like, oh, I'm resisting everything. No, we destroy the lies. We resist and we destroy. We say, no, I'm loved by the creator, right? I have the family of God. I am loved and I have been, died, I have been uh, given Jesus' life for. We know these things are true. We defend it and we destroy. So that's what Jesus is doing. Then the devil took him to the holy city that's jerusalem that's the place where literally all the stuff in the bible really happens and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and he says if you're the son of god throw yourself down that means basically jump off a cliff right for it is written and then the devil tries to use scripture again he says he will command his angels concerning you using it out of context of course they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Use the scripture again. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to them, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Everyone gave a hand clap for Jesus. He's a savage. He's a savage. Dude, Jesus, Jesus didn't even flinch at these things. Jesus didn't even flinch at these things. He gives us the perfect example of what to do. If you're about to have sex, hey, listen, God says save yourself from marriage. I'm going to dip. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave your sinful self. I'll pray for you. You get rights. If you're about to smoke weed, understand God says be sober, be alert. I'm going to dip. I'm leaving. You have to, have to put on the full armor of God. You need every piece of armor. Don't leave without your helmet of salvation. If you do, you're busted. One shot kill over here. Man, I just need to get them to doubt their salvation. They said, they're all, whoa, man, whoa. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. How do I know if God is even real anymore? That, literally, that's all it takes for some of you because you leave defenseless. How stupid would it be if we saw a U.S. Army soldier go into Iraq with some tennis shoes, some khakis, and a polo? Right? We'd be like, bro, this ain't vacation. Why are you being lazy, bro? Get in your armor. Put your helmet on. Get your gun. Get your, get your armor. What are you doing? But yes, some of us, we go to school just like that. We go to school without praying for two weeks. We go to school without reading the Bible for like five weeks. And we think, hey, man, I'm a Christian. It's all fine and dandy. That bang, one shot kill. The enemy already got you. You already slipped and fell into sin. You're done. 
You need to fight. You need to stand firm. You need to stop being so weak. Be strong in the Lord. Gosh, you guys, can, you guys are about as weak as ants when it comes to fighting the enemy. You get stomped on by the enemy. But you can be strong as simple as this, putting on the armor of God. And some of you are strong. Then continue to stand. Stand against the enemy. If I can have Stephanie come up in the altar workers. Right now, dude, you should feel encouraged. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You have the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. You don't have to go through disappointments in life, depression, anxiety, sin. The, 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 you don't have to fall for the devil's schemes anymore. You have the full armor of God. If you can go to, uh, in closing, if you can go to um, <clears throat> verse 18 through 20. And, and this is what, it, actually, verses uh, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And this is, this is literally another practical way. You got the word of God, but then it says to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You see, we are supposed to pray in all occasions. I don't really want to go to that verse right now, but some of y'all are so stinking religious, so dang religious. When you, when you, you, don't, you don't pray unless you're an elevate because you don't, you don't feel like that's the right place to pray. Listen, I'm telling you, if you're, about, if you're about to sin on your bed, if you're about to sin with like three friends, you start praying right there and then. You pray at all times, in all ways, on all occasions. There's no specific way to pray. It's a cry out to God. Pray from your hearts. Pray. Speak to the Lord. Ask him, right? Equip me with the full armor of God. Please. Ask him and he will answer. And then it says to be on guard. Go, go to 1 Peter 5, 8, please, sir. Why are we on guard, right? We're not paranoid. We're not scared. But we know the enemy is trying to get us. We know the enemy is after us. We know that there's someone who wants us to fall away from Jesus. And some of us have been deceived and already fallen. Jesus is calling you back. And he's telling you this, be alert and sober-minded. Sober-minded means you ain't being no emotional mess. You're not thinking with your emotions. You're not led with just some weird understanding of the world. Your, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You guys can all stand, please. See, your enemy, he's looking around. He's roaring. He's, he's literally trying to devour you. He's trying to devour you. He, he's, he, Satan is not trying to give you a good life. The devil's not trying to give you a good life. He's not trying to give you things that will make you happier. What he's trying to do is to devour you. He's trying to take everything you have, steal, kill, and destroy. Every bit of thing, that everything that Jesus has given you, he's trying to take it. Every life, every bit of life that you have from Christ, he's trying to kill it. And every future, every bit of the future that you have in Jesus, he's trying to destroy it. So think about this, guys. Are you alert? Are you alert? Paul finished this up and he was praying for other people. Why? Because he knows that the devil is trying to get them too. 
that the enemy is not just after you, but if you guys can look to your left and your right, please. He's after them too. So we have to stand against the enemy. It's time to be strong. It's time to stop being weak and stop being scared. Stop being weak, wimpy Christians. God gives you strength. God gives you the ability to be strong, to stand firm against the enemy. So the application here is be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God. Stand against the devil. Don't stand with him and pray all types of prayers. Not just for yourself, right? Now, don't be selfish only about praying about yourself. Understand you got brothers and sisters that need prayer as well. Pray. And, close, uh, and just, just the altar call, I'll make it real general. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you come up. But if you have been falling to the devil's schemes, if you have been weak in the Lord, if you have been scared, if you've been a wimp spiritually, and the devil's been lying to you, and you've been believing all the lies of the enemy, then you need to come up. You need to come up for prayer. It's time to get strengthened right now. Don't go back into that world weak again. Don't go back into that world scared again. Leave empowered in the Lord's strength. Leave like that. So if everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you give us strength, God. That you give us power, Lord. That you give us armor, Lord. That it is from you, God. It's not from ourselves that we're able to live holy, Lord. You help us, God. You strengthen us, God. Lord, and I know many people here, God, they have been attacked left and right, and some of them have fallen, God. I, hope, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict them right now, Jesus. That they would understand there is no excuse in this place for standing against God Almighty. That they would understand there's no excuse to be weak, no excuse to be an injured Christian. That we may be healed, that we may be strong, and that we may be able to fight against the enemy. Lord, I pray for everyone in here, Lord. Leaders included, God, that we would be able to stand firm against the devil's schemes. Lord, too many people have fallen, Lord, that I know. God, I lift them up to you, Jesus. You know them by name. God, I pray that you would bring them back, Jesus. God, I pray for every youth that has left this door, that has not standing firm, that has not stood firm against the attacks of the enemy and has fallen. I pray that they would come back to you, Jesus. I pray that they would come back to you, Jesus, and that they would know how to stand firm and that they would be equipped to fight against the enemy. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. God, I pray that lives would be changed, that Christians would be strong, and that the enemy would be scared, Lord. In Jesus' name. So you guys can come up as Stephanie sings. Just understand, you don't need to leave this place weak again. You don't have to leave this place enslaved to sin again, being pimped out by the devil. You can leave victorious with a way to fight the enemy.